We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Geico presents uh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show brought to you by the FFPC. I'm Blair Andrews, and my co-host, as always, is Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going? Uh, going great, Blair. Back to be back in the saddle. I hope uh, I hope listeners enjoyed our uh, four-man uh, draft episode last uh, last week. But I'm excited to get back to the regular grind of things. That's right. We're back to regular news items today. Uh, but we have a really exciting guest joining us on the show today. Is Davis Maddock. Davis is the host of the TakeCast and a contributor to Roto Experts, as well as being a RotoViz OG. You can find him on Twitter at Davis Maddock. Davis, thanks for joining us. How's it going? Thanks so much for having me, guys. I, it always feels good to come back to uh, to a RotoViz podcast. I believe that this show that we are doing right now is the actually the same one that me and Matt Friedman and John Moore first started doing six years ago. You guys have you guys have so many different shows, you know, running around now. And if you follow the road of his radio feed, you get a new show every day. But I, I believe that this is the 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 OG OG show. <laughs> nice, yeah, it's definitely been going on a while. So we're hoping to yeah keep up the the tradition of excellence that you started. Uh, let's get going with the first news item. DK Metcalf will have surgery this week but isn't expected to be sidelined too long uh so davis how big of a concern should it be that metcalf is now slated to miss the rest of the preseason i guess at least um and do you think anyone else besides tyler lockett might benefit in metcalf's absence so I've probably drafted at this point, I'm going to guess I've done 300 drafts, you know, between mock drafts and, uh, you know, draft basketball championships and everything. I'm pretty sure I haven't taken DK Metcalf once. So this is not this is not a huge ripple for me. Maybe it would make me a little bit more interested in taking David Moore in like the 18th round or something like that. Or, you know, targeting him in the FFPC main event, uh, you know, a, a little bit later. But I, I actually think probably the biggest impact this would have is maybe it, it just makes it a little bit easier for the Seahawks to target the running backs like Pete Carroll was talking about last week. Yeah, it's a, so the one one thing is that Metcalf really hasn't shown much here in preseason. He's got, what, one target for eight yards? If that's right. 
Yeah, um, I, I, I believe he. I believe he played in the Sunday night game, though. Like, is that is that I I need to go look. I, I'm pretty sure I didn't make that up. I remember looking at the live updates and him getting uh, a target. I'm going to look that up right now. Yeah. And I was just, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, all offseason, we've heard a little bit about like David Moore. We've heard a little bit about, you know, Jerome Brown even running as the starters. But, um, you know, just out of curiosity, like, do you think this opens the door a little bit for Gary Jennings, especially for those in, like, deeper best ball dynasty leagues? Or um, are there any other guys on this wide receiver core that you've got any interest in? I think it makes it a little bit more likely that one of John Ursa or Jazz Ferguson makes the team because Ursa, so Ursa is the one that they drafted out of Hawaii. Uh, Jazz was the undrafted free agent, uh, but Jazz is the spark star, which we know the Seahawks organization, we, we know they're not super forward thinking analytically, but they are into the spark scores. So I actually think it's probably more likely that Jazz makes the team now, which is, you know, that, that's interesting for me because I do like him. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think um, it probably does open up things more for other receivers. And like you said, probably makes it more likely one of these end of the roster guys makes the team. I wonder, I mean, even going into the, you know, going into the season when we expected Metcalf to be healthy, like you said yourself, you haven't drafted a single share of him probably on 300 in 300 drafts. So it's like, we didn't even expect there to be much value, much excess value in this passing game beyond uh, Tyler Lockett. So, um, I mean, are you getting excited about anyone else here or is it just kind of like, eh, he might have value. Um, like, are you going to start drafting David Moore now? Mm, well, more I like anyways, yeah. kind of just as a player, like he was someone I kind of liked before, but, but no, I'm, I'm not really excited about anyone on Seattle because now Chris Carson is going about a half round earlier than he was going before uh, as the, they started talking about these targets. And Penny has started to slide, but man, Penny looked awful. He looked <laughs> so bad in their preseason game. Like, I just, it might just not happen for Rashad Penny. It, it might just be one of those things where uh, this year, instead of being outplayed by Mike Davis, he gets outplayed by Travis Homer. Uh, that would actually be kind of exciting. I took I took Travis Homer as my uh, almost like sec- in the second last round of the Scott Fishbowl draft uh, over Ty Johnson, and I was kicking myself uh, for not taking Ty Johnson instead of CJ Ozoma as my first tight end in the final <laughs> round. So so hearing you talk a little bit about Travis Homer makes me excited. Um, what, yeah, well, out of curiosity, what were your thoughts on Homer coming out? Yeah, Homer is a guy, uh, predictably, you know, another another good spark guy who I thought, despite the mediocre production at the University of Miami, he I, I actually wrote earlier in the offseason, I thought he might even be a favorite to win that third down job because J.D. McKissick is cut now, I believe. And um, it, yeah, like I, I think that role is open because I don't know if Chris Carson can actually do it. And that role has been productive as Russell Wilson has aged. He targets running backs more and more because he's scrambling less and less. Yeah, that's interesting. Homer is someone I... I liked coming out of college. He's kind of, uh, you know, like you said, not that productive, but he was, he had some decent athleticism. I think he did really well in the, uh, the vertical and the broad jump, um, which maybe there's not a lot of signal there, but nice to see anyway. But uh, yeah, I was thinking the Seattle landing spot is probably not the best for him, but maybe it's it's even better than I'm thinking if if what you're saying is right. Well, I think I think that run any running back that gets drafted by Seattle with Schottenheimer as the offensive coordinator and with Pete the, like the way Pete Carroll does competition at any position, you should just be looking at athletic players that make that offensive roster because he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He'll he like he'll he'll bench anybody for anyone. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. One thing I'm wondering about uh, is whether <clears throat> does this new injury and surgery what does it do to Metcalf's sort of long-term outlook I mean I think this is the second injury he's actually had in the preseason he obviously missed a lot of games at Ole Miss um is sort of his inability to stay healthy something that we should be concerned about going forward 
It's got to be bad, right? For a guy who comes out with injury concerns to have a surgery before his first NFL game. Like it, it, it certainly, if you were, if you were building, uh, you know, some sort of super intense projection model for wide receivers, uh, you would build an input into that projection that said, you know, for every injury for a guy who's already been injured, you need to, you need to dock some of their future projection mm-hmm. or future equity somehow. I think that's certainly true in DJ Metcalf's case because he seems like maybe this really unique guy where like his body is like too strong, right. Or like too athletic. Like he, he seems like kind of like a, you know, a, a, like a freak of nature or something. Like, it's crazy how muscly he is. Yeah. I mean, just like, <laughs> remember the, like the pictures just floating around Twitter and even just recently the pictures of him and Tyler Lockett floating around Twitter. <laughs> the guy is massive. I mean, he looks like he should be playing power forward in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, he just he's huge. I mean, I don't know if he'd be good at playing power forward, clearly, but I mean, the guy is like, I mean, he's he's really he's like he's chiseled, but like, there's still no real indication. I mean, people keep talking a lot about like, um, the fact that he seems to be have the have the prototypical you know size speed for what a, what a receiver is, but like none of none of that showed up in his project his production, and mostly because of um, health concerns. Yeah. No. I, and and that to me like makes a player less desirable. Like I like Metcalf would have been a guy in like 2014 that I would like, you know who D you know who DK Metcalf is? He's, he's Cordero Patterson. It's the, hmm. it's the exact same arguments that applied to Patterson back when he was drafted by the Vikings. And that was like the first great road of his Holy war. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've learned things, a lot of things really since then, right? Like we've gotten better at sussing out what, kind of matters when you're evaluating wide receiver prospects yeah and and Metcalf has Metcalf has a lot of great things in his portfolio and he's got a lot of troublesome things uh, all right so NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reports that the helmet Antonio Brown wants to use was tested in the lab and it failed uh Davis how concerned should we be about you know Brown's antics this offseason and you know do you think that he he's at risk of super seriously holding out over this helmet issue or is it more just kind of and this is a conspiracy theory but just sort of like him you know playing it up for the cameras over hard knocks it feels like that to me so I want to get your thoughts on that if I was off base um I am I'm my I guess my worry meter on on AV would be like a five out of ten. Like I I am I'm worried about all of this stuff. Not because I don't think AB is great or I don't think he'll play, but at this point, like how much can we say he even knows the Raiders' offense? How much is Derek Carr going to be looking for him as the first read? Like they just they haven't had time to work on this stuff, and th- this was something that AB. I'm, I'm almost certain kind of took for granted with Roethlisberger. You know, he, he, he knew every part of that Steelers offense for the entirety of his career. Now he's playing in a different coach, a different system. Uh, you know, John Gruden, I, like even something as basic as the fact that routes are called something different in the Gruden offense and the option routes are going to be different as well. I, I'm, I am legitimately concerned about that, about, about Derek Carr's ability to know where Antonio Brown is going to be on a given play. Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, we've done some work showing that, you know, wide receivers who change teams usually underperform uh, on their new team anyway. And uh, Antonio Brown had sort of a drop-off in efficiency last year coming off of, um, you know, his last year with the Steelers. Uh, So I think there are reasons to be concerned about Brown before even getting into all this stuff with the helmet and before that with his with his feet so um yeah i mean like you said about metcalf i don't think i've done 300 drafts but i've done a lot and i don't know that i own antonio brown on any um i i specifically fired up drafts that when when, you remember that 20 tweet thread i i can't i don't remember who tweeted it so i can't give credit for it but during when that thread was going around Twitter, I like specifically fired up some of uh, the drafts in the 25 to take him because I knew he was going to slide around and I got him in the fourth round twice wow. while that tweet thread was going around. So I just like that's it. That's actually there you go. There's a great example. If you're listening to this, if you if you if you have a, a contrarian reaction to news like that, that's a great time to fire up some drafts. Yeah. No, I'm 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 with you on that because it, it feels like right now is the prime time to do that because everyone's overreacting to the to the, to the smallest you know little bit of information uh, that being being more contrary in nature like um, in, in your nature the only times I've taken 
AB is kind of like yourself, is where he slides around. Plus, I mean, his uh, uh, d- during that same time in, in a handful of dynasty leagues, I got some you know some very buy low offers. It was just stuff like. I'll give you Tyrell Williams and like a 20, 20 second for AB type type offers. You know what I mean? Right, where, exactly. Where, where it's just like if you were more reactionary, you would just smash hit accept and be done with, with, with the headache versus, you know, you, you know what you believe in with AB. And kind of like you, my, my biggest concern in this entire saga, like, the, like is the engine that's Derek Carr holding, holding the Raiders is back, uh, you know, because... I mean, last year, Carr was just a... I mean, he couldn't spot Amari at all for lack of... for lack of. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was for lack of trying uh, on, on, on Amari's part, more so on Carr's part. He was always looking for, like, the first checkdown read to, like, Jared Cook or Jalen Richard. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, is going to, that is going to not be great for Antonio Brown, the fact that he's playing with a quarterback who's a little bit more cautious, and Brown is not giving him time to trust him right like what what reason does Derek Carr have to trust Antonio Brown at this point Mm. yeah that's a good point um do you think that uh if Brown doesn't play there are any receivers that you're more interested in drafting higher I mean maybe besides Tyrell Williams who obviously figures to see sort of a bump in targets hopefully um, I think that the biggest beneficiary would not be one of the receivers. Like it wouldn't be Ryan Grant or JJ Nelson or whoever. It's probably Josh Jacobs in terms of check down targets. And it's probably Darren Waller in terms of more plays called where he's going to be the first read. Mm. Yeah. Any interest in Hunter Renfro who's been generating some buzz or he's just kind of preseason only? That's uh, that's just, you know. Hunter Renfro is not a uh, not a Davis Maddox style player like, a, you know, maybe maybe he eventually becomes Danny Amendola. Maybe, if, you know, if I could trade a 2021 third or fourth for him. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But I, not not someone I'm mega interested in. My favorite thing. So I wrote, I wrote up Hunter Renfro as like a deep sleeper before he started like really getting a, a lot of his buzz. Um, and my favorite thing was was realizing that Mike Mayock called him Doogie Hauser when he drafted him, and like his teammates say that he looks like a substitute school teacher. So like that just tells you exactly exactly what he looks like if you've never seen a picture of him. Um, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you've seen him, he looks like a high school chemistry teacher. Uh, he's like he's like prematurely balding. It, it's like, dude, you're half my age, and look at you. This is mm-hmm. this is not this is not cool. Poor guy, but, but but apparently he's outplaying Marcel Aitman and the rest of them to to be to be that scrappy underneath slot wideout who's uh, gonna get you what um, 600 yards and 100 catches and three TDs by the end of the season. Yeah, like I I would I would definitely compare him to like his his 90th percentile outcome is like uh, one of those Danny Amendola Rams seasons. All right, before we get into No Shit Shit No, here's a reminder that Rotoviz Patreon is back for a second season, and it's better than ever. Patronships start at just $6 a month, and we now offer exclusive access to Rotoviz Radio Slack, where you can ask questions and gain league-winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team, like Hassan and myself. Patrons also get first dibs on listener league spots, which have already uh, started filling. And in the $9 tier, you get some sweet Rotoviz Radio merch at the end of the season. So become... A Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network grow and continue to produce high-quality, industry-leading programming. Yeah, and speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 10% off your Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It is available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. You will gain unlimited access to our NFL content and our tools. There's a lot of really good stuff on there. You can play around, make your own projections. Uh, and there's a handful of other really cool items that are coming out that will help you a lot when we actually kick off the season in a handful of weeks. You know, you get amazing value by subscribing. You will help support the podcast network. And once again, go to rotoviz.com backslash podcast. Right now at T-Mobile, get an awesome iPhone XR on us when you bring your family over and trade in your old device. Because whether you have mom, dad, or a friend on your mind, it's a gift so bold and brilliant, you'll want to keep it for yourself. Most importantly, it's on us in six vibrant colors. Plus, with unlimited everything from T-Mobile, the awesome iPhone XR will have everyone snapping, streaming, and sharing to their heart's content. 
all year long. But don't wait. It's only for a limited time. So visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE and get iPhone XR on us. If congested, customers using more than 50 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds due to prioritization. Video at 480p via 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers plus tax. Qualifying trade-in, port-in, service, and finance agreement required. Contact us before canceling or credit stop and remaining balance due. 64 gigs, zero down, plus 3125 per month for 24 months. Pre-credit price, 749 0% APR. One offer per account. Geico presents Yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. All right, now let's get into no shit, shit, no. First item, according to Ben Volen of the Boston Globe, the Titans' starting quarterback job looks surprisingly wide open. Uh, I mean, no shit. You you don't you don't get a guy with you know thirty NFL starts as your backup quarterback if you one hundred percent believe in the starting quarterback. Now, on the other hand, Mariota looked okay, so I you know I don't think he, the a benching is like imminent or anything like that. But but pretty clearly, Marcus Mariota, he should know he's playing for his job this year. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a Mariota truther. I've got a lot of him. I, I thought he looked fine. Um, the Titans do have to decide that they're going to pay him. I know Mike Rabel uh, mentioned a lot that he is sticking with Mariota as a quarterback. Um, but as other Rotoviz writers have mentioned to me, uh, you know, via Slack or, uh, if, you know, privately is that if the Titans start slowly, there's a very real risk. They just let Tannehill come out, play out the string and try to draft a quarterback next year, which is concerning. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports Amari Cooper is dealing with a strained heel. Uh, shit, no. This is not good for me. Uh, Amari Cooper is one of those dudes who gets to be in the third round. I'm doing a, I'm doing, you know, a hybrid zero RB draft or just a straight up zero RB draft. I love his ceiling. I love everything that we're hearing out of Dallas in terms of what Kellen Moore is doing, how Dak Prescott looks in practice, how Tony Pollard looks in practice. Uh, I, I, I buy that they have a top five offensive upside this year. So I, I am bummed to hear this about Amari Cooper. Really quick question for you. I mean, we, we also heard about him dealing with, uh, you know, fa- plantar fasciitis um, not too long ago. So it's a bit of a concern, um, you know, because he was dealing with injuries in his 2017 season. And I kind of chron- chronicled this for, for Rotoviz last year is that the one time he wasn't on, on, on like the injury report was at, you know, Thursday night game before he smashed the Chiefs for 300 yards. So I'm, I'm kind of concerned. Do you think that this is like these will like really linger going into the season or, you know, what are expectations? I'm very high in Amari this year as well. I'm hoping that this is sort of just veteran maintenance, you know, trying not to push a guy who knows the offense has got a chance to practice. You know, he was at OTAs. I'm hoping that it's a case of not wanting to push a veteran as opposed to, you know, just hoping he's able to make it 16 games healthy, you know, cause I, cause heal, I mean, heal injuries for a wide receiver. Like if this is, if this is a suit, like a, you know, a bad injury, heel injuries are very tough to overcome for a position like that. ESPN's Eric Williams expects the Chargers to use Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson in a 50-50 split during Melvin Gordon's holdout. Yeah, no shit. I, like what they, uh, you know, we all like Austin Eckler. We all think that he was good last year when Melvin Gordon was not active. But the fact is that both he and Jackson are on the smaller side of running backs in the NFL. But uh, Justin Jackson was a workhorse at Northwestern. He was very good in the dramatic over uh, the dramatic come from behind victory against the Kansas City Chiefs in that Thursday night game last year. The organization clearly places some value in Justin Jackson. So I think like the the ADPs of Eckler and Jackson right now are mostly efficient because the supposition that most people are making is that Eckler would have a role even if Melvin Gordon came back, whereas Justin Jackson wouldn't. But between the two of them, I much prefer to take Jackson where they're going in drafts right now. Andy Isabella caught one of four targets for a 59-yard touchdown in Thursday's preseason game. Uh, no shit. He's, he's real good. He's real fast. And, uh, players who are really fast, you'll, you'll notice, like, uh, I don't know if you guys play preseason DFS, 
But like a, a very key decision point is just like taking guys who are athletic because a lot of the guys who are forced to play preseason football are going to be guys who just don't quite have NFL athleticism. So guys with NFL standard athleticism are going to be really good in the preseason. And uh, if you if you look at that reception that Isabella made, it wasn't particularly great route running. It wasn't a particularly great catch in terms of technique, but he was just faster than the guys who were defending him. Yeah, that's like the, the fun thing about Isabella. He's just so, so fast. Um, and it's, it's, it's exciting that his production profile actually matches um, what we look for in guys who are just that fast. Um, I know, Blair, you're, you're a big fan of, of Isabella, right? Yeah, I love Isabella. I mean, the only real red flag I think he has on his resume is that he played as a senior. But, I mean, uh, what you want from a guy if he played as a senior is for him to be insanely productive. So Isabella basically checks almost every box, yeah. I don't know if we should be concerned about him catching only one of four targets. I didn't actually see the game, so I don't know if they were all, like, deep targets. But, um, you know, preseason, I don't really get that concerned about it, I think. Right? Davis, you had a really good take about about this in the Cardinals. is like, really poor-look offense in, in week two of preseason. Do you mind just telling our listeners uh, what they might have uh, missed for, from your take? Well, uh, they looked bad, and not only not only did they look bad skill wise, they they took some horrible penalties. Uh, Kyler Murray had two false starts called on him due to this new rule that the NFL is enforcing with like a hand clap for the quarterback. And my guess is is probably that took Kyler by surprise. But the rest of the sloppiness. Cliff is probably just rolling his eyes and he's like, you guys are idiots, but I don't think he's particularly worried. And I actually think that it's very possible that the Cardinals could win four games and still be a really good fantasy offense. Cause we saw this with Cliff's offense at Texas tech. They weren't good. You know, these were not teams that were going to win the big 12. These were not teams that were going to be making a major bowl game. A uh, lot. In fact, they had losing records several times. So Cliff was the head coach, but they still finished three of the five years that Cliff was the head coach inside the top 10 in FBS in total plays ran. So, like, I, I'm not worried that it seems like the Cardinals suck. ESPN's Adam Schefter said Case Keenum is now tracking to be Washington's opening day starting QB. Yeah, no shit. Dwayne Haskins isn't ready. He was, he, the, uh, how many times have we seen a Big Ten college quarterback come in and be ready for the NFL? Like, Big Ten football is the closest thing we still have left to, like, you know, 1980s ground and pound football that there is. Le'Veon Bell will not play this preseason. Yeah, no shit. This dude just didn't play for a whole year. He doesn't want to. He didn't want to take hits in the preseason. Uh, out of curiosity, where do you have uh, Bell projected, and sort of what kind of workload do you think he sees this year? So I will say that my projections are a little bit more bullish on Le'Veon Bell than I am. I have, you know, just because a lot of the times it doesn't make sense to project offenses, uh, you know, on the extremes. So we we don't have the Jets running few plays. I don't have Ty Montgomery with a bunch of carries or a bunch of targets. But I think if you look at the guys around him, so, you know, looking at Joe Mixon, looking at James Conner, looking at Nick Chubb, looking at Aaron Jones, Damian Williams, Le'Veon Bell's ceiling is not as intriguing to me as any of those guys. And his floor seems way worse because the Jets might just struggle to be a good offensive team you know i i'm a darnold believer but i don't think they have a ton of like particularly good pass catchers i don't believe a ton in adam gase so i think bell just like i mean bell could just be straight up not very good in fantasy football even if he is the primary running back the athletics mark caboli believes rookie wide receiver deontay johnson is not going to play early in the season yeah, no shit. They have Ryan Switzer. They have Dante Moncrief. They have James Washington. They have Juju Smith-Schuster. They have Vance McDonald. They have Jalen Samuels. I, ca- I can't even come up with a compelling reason why Deontay Johnson would be expected to be on the field early on. Yeah, how, how does uh, Juju comp out or like project out for you personally in your ranks and also uh, you know in, in, your, in your projections for Roto, Roto experts? So he's my number one wide receiver in my rankings. He is, I've been projected for the second most targets and the second most fantasy points, 0.50 behind Odell Beckham. I have him for 112 receptions, over 1,400 receiving yards, over 10 touchdowns. I think, uh, I mean, Smith-Schuster is the top wide receiver in fantasy football for me, pretty clearly. 
Nice. Uh, I think I have him ranked as my second. And I know I know Sean Siegel has him as ranked as wide receiver two. Blair, where is he in your ranks? So he's my redraft wide receiver two. I moved him ahead of Hopkins in Dynasty, though. So, yeah, I mean, I know Dave Cabin just put out his projections recently and has uh, Smith-Schuster as the number one overall wide receiver. So I think there are some pretty compelling reasons for potentially moving him uh, even ahead of Hopkins. My, my issue with Hopkins is, one, I think a healthy season of Will Fuller would be bad for him, right, just mm-hmm. in terms of sheer total volume. But even further than that, I just think the older guys get and the more injuries they suffer, you know, Hopkins basically said he played through these awful shoulder injuries last year, kind of like how Paul George was playing through those awful shoulder injuries at the end of the Thunder season. Like it doesn't necessarily impact performance per se, but I think it influ- it should influence how you do projections going forward because every occurrence of that makes it more likely that an occurrence will happen in the future. Yeah, that's a good point. Tony Pollard started the Cowboys' the second preseason game and rushed five times for 42 yards and a score. No shit. T- Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard, Malcolm Brown, and Matt Breida are like the you draft those guys and then you log out. Like you're just gonna you're just gonna win your league if you get all those dudes. <laughs> uh, so Pollard obviously has seen his ADP rise pretty high uh, lately. How early are you comfortable taking him? I think at this point, um, so in like uh, most of the drafts I do are through the lens of like the draft best ball championship. And at that point, by like round nine, the the values really start to leave. So like the the viewpoint I go is once Latavius Murray and Marquez Valdez-Scantling have left the board, those are the last premium running backs and wide receivers that I consider on like those are the last guys in the market I consider as weekly starters. I expect Latavius Murray and MVS to post, you know, top 24 numbers at their position. After that, I think you can start to kind of just be like ADP is definitely valuable. You're not going to beat the market a ton over the long run, but I'm okay, you know, basically as soon as round nine or 10 on Pollard. And I know that ADP doesn't exactly indicate that right now, but uh, those are just situations where even if the playing time, you know, say, say Ezekiel Elliott does come back, he's ready for week one. Even if there's not an immediate opportunity there, I can still see Pollard carving out a role or having a season that justifies drafting him that early. Uh, we talked a little bit about this pre-show, but I just want to, you know, bring this one uh, back just for our listeners. Is that Pollard's profile is really interesting because his receiving production is what makes it really fascinating to me. You know, like he he's listed as a running back, but there's multiple avenues for him to be a viable starter, uh, whether it's you know through injury uh, or just by virtue of carving out a role as a running back or as a, as a receiver. Like there's no there's nothing preventing. It's, if Kellen Moore is the kind of guy who we think he is and, and who he's, you know, uh, uh, if you bring some of that, um, uh, it's, it's uh, he, Boise State, right? That's where he was, uh, where he was? Pollard? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Kellen Moore, the OC? Yeah, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore, actually one of the two winningest quarterbacks in college football history at Boise State. Right. If, if if he brings some of the creativity from, from, from college into his offenses, there's no reason why we can't have Zeke line up in the backfield Paul, Paul, and Pollard line up in the slot or, you know, run jet sweeps or what have you on the goal line. Like, there's no, I mean, Pollard's more of a Swiss Army knife than, than his current position on the depth chart and how his usage in the preseason thus far indicates. And there's no reason for the Cowboys to dip their hand. He did a very, very strong get, especially, and it was a bit of a tell if it took him where they did in the fourth. And um, like there, we know that the Cowboys offense, even even when Scott Lanahan was the offensive coordinator, coordinator, we knew that they wanted someone like that. That's why they signed Tavon Austin. They used him like that a little bit. But, you know, Tavon's a little bit small to be running in the NFL these days. But uh, I think the Cowboys offense wants some sort of safety valve like that. And they they're trying to invest in that position. So I think the fact that Pollard is more of like a Swiss army knife as opposed to like a sheer backup running back is actually like a positive. Yeah. So I, w- I would agree with the take that Kellen Moore has an idea of the role he wants Pollard to play. So uh, would you rather take Pollard than thinking of someone else kind of in that range you mentioned someone like Naheem Hines? See, I actually think I think I think at this point Pollard has more upside than Naheem Hines. So Hines played one snap 
with the starting offense with Jacoby Brissett on that Saturday afternoon game. Marlon Mack had 14 touches. Naheem Hines had one or 14 snaps. Naheem Hines had one. I think pretty clearly Pollard is a part of the first team offense. And I think Hines is too. But I don't there there seems to be no upside with Hines because I don't think they have any designs of making him the lead running back if Marlon Mack was to get injured. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of the Colts, Andrew Luck was recorded warming up prior to Indianapolis' week two preseason game against the Browns. Yeah. Uh let's see. Uh I'm gonna go I'm gonna go shit no. I, I think I, I am worried. I'm worried about this Andrew Luck situation. I move T.Y. Hilton down. I move Marlon Mack down. I move Eric Ebron down. I move Jack Doyle down as all of this stuff uh, has happened, basically. I, I am concerned. Yeah, it, it's not like last year where there was like reasons to be positive about, about him being healthy. I mean, like the interesting thing is that he, he's been, I mean, for, for people who were taking him as like the quarterback two or the quarterback three or even quarterback you know four in the early sixth, seventh, eighth, and it's, it really is looking pretty touch and go if he was like your first QB in, in a bunch of two QB builds, you know, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, he just, he just was not someone on my draft board really at all because I preferred guy. I like, if I was going to take a quarterback early, I preferred Kyler and like, and you could get him a round or two later. So like, I think I probably, I probably have like five luck teams and, and they were always stacked with Hilton. He's just not someone that I want to draft at all. Yeah, and, and if you were going to pay the, the premium for quarterback early, why not just go half a round earlier and take Deshaun? Exactly, yeah. And, and Luck, at this point in his career, with all these injuries, and we can basically just say he doesn't have the rushing upside anymore that he had his first three seasons. Yeah, so speaking of Hilton, he's uh, someone that I've unfortunately got on quite a few teams this season. How far would he have to fall in order to be considered a value given this Andrew Luck news? Well, I think you would have to say he's worse than Amari Cooper. You know, even with the heel stuff, he's worse than Keenan Allen, who has the ankle surgery, and he's he's probably worse than, like, Brandon Cooks uh, or, or Diggs. Like, he's got to be, like, he, so his ADP is in, like, the low 30s, high 20s, depending on where you're drafting, and he's probably more close. He's probably closer in value to the guys going in the, uh, like, in the in the 40s, I would say. So here's one for you, and I think we can get into this later as well, just as a tease. Um, oh, so we're, would you take T.Y. Hilton or would you take Julian Edelman? I would take T.Y. Hilton because Edelman has no league winning upside. He just you, like that, like he's a guy who is going to match what his ADP is. He's very unlikely to outproduce it. Right. Or okay, uh, and whereas Cooks can actually be like like a league winner. Right? Yeah, I mean, Cook, Cooks is one of the best yards per target guys in the NFL, and he like if you just if you just uh, you know wanted to do the classic road of his thing of being like, okay, well, who's the most athletic guy in this offense? Who's the dude who could have a 13 touchdown season on 114 targets? You'd say oh, it's much more likely to be Brandon Cooks than it is to be Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. Vikings is fullback uh, C.J. Ham has been working as the third down back at training camp. That seems like a that seems like a shit no to to someone who's very invested in Alexander Madison. That that seems that's because it now now Alexander Madison is handcuff only. Whereas before, I probably would have thought there was a little bit of chance that he was going to be the third down back. And now it'll probably just be like a lot of Dalvin Cook until he gets injured. Do you think this does anything to uh, Dalvin Cook's value? Like, uh, is C.J. Ham if he's really working as a third down back, is he a threat to take Cook off the field at all? Um, no, no, this is like Zimmer, Zimmer is, uh, Zimmer is, uh, you know, he's a, he's a proper football guy, right? Like he's going to do things how things have always been done. We, we kind of know that about Zimmer, even though the, even though the Vikings are one of the teams that does have an analytics department in terms of like player scouting, recruitment and development, but, uh, the way that they call plays on the field, especially, I, I mean, I don't know if you can get much stronger of a signal than the pass happy John DiFilippo being fired. And then this Kevin Stefanski I don't even know if people know this. Kevin Stefanski has been a Vikings coach for like 15 years. He was like player assistant, uh, quarterbacks coach, or assistant quarterbacks coach, assistant wide receivers coach, assistant offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. My man's hanging around and just being promoted through like sheer value of attrition here. Yeah, he just, just like he is, he, Kevin Stefanski is a company man. 
Jaguars coach Doug Marone suggested fifth-round running back Raquel Armstead could play in Thursday's preseason game against the Dolphins. Uh, this should be a no shit, but it's going to be a shit no to people who, you know, got invested into Leonard Fournette this year, which is, it's not me. Uh, so every Jacksonville Jaguars running back has been awful in the preseason. Alfred Blue, horrible. Uh, Devontae Mays, horrible. Thomas Rawls, horrible. Mays actually had negative yardage on five carries in their preseason game this last week. And Armstead is the one guy who offers a little bit of upside. Yeah, I'm really excited to finally see some Armstead in the preseason because it's obviously not good to have your rookie running back not be able to play uh, with injury, but uh, I think he probably has a ton of value playing behind Fournette, who has been dealing with injuries uh, kind of throughout his career. Uh, I have a question for you guys. Does like the fear of this offense just being particularly not 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 good like me give you any? Uh, you know, nervousness a little bit about targeting um, guys not named D.D. Westbrook later. I still kind of like D.J. Shark just because he could be like 80 targets, 45 catches um, to like, you know, and he could just run into some extra touchdowns. Yeah, he's interesting. And I mean, the point you make, Hassan, is a good one about concerns about this offense. I think as long as you're not like overpaying for guys and just taking shots, it's okay, but uh, I mean, Leonard Fournette is basically do not draft. Yeah, I, I I'm not interested in Leonard Fournette at all. I understand the the arguments, like the the arguments for Leonard Fournette is well, he could be the passing down back. He could be a guy like Nick Chubb was last year, who wasn't on a great team, but was getting eighty percent of the backfield work. I just I would say the offensive upside and. Fournette's fragility and the fact that he might not be the third down back is basically enough to put him on my do not draft list. One of the things I think like for me, this like off season, it's been, you know, even if Fournette is the guy and he's going late enough, like I I always find myself either starting running back, running back or running back wide receiver, you know, and then taking another wide receiver because I kind of like those guys going in his range anyway to where I'm just very light on Fournette. Like, um, would you and 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 some guys have been pushed up ahead of Fournette, you know, this off season, and wanted to get your thoughts. Were you even before like the ADP spikes? Where were you taking? Were you taking Aaron Jones and carry on ahead of ahead of Fournette? Yeah, yeah, because I think Aaron Jones is a player that offers league winning upside because he he might be the lead running back on a very good offense, and I think. I, I am actually down on Carryon Johnson now after watching this last preseason game where CJ Anderson was spelling him on third downs, but he was a guy that I'd moved up slightly. Uh, but in general, I'm not drafting running backs in that range. Most of my drafts, if I pick in the top five, I'm taking a running back that I'm hammering wide receivers. And a lot of the times I would wait until the fourth round to take Josh Jacobs because I like Josh Jacobs. But I have him projected basically the same as the guys who were going around ahead of him. Yeah, he just falls. Yeah, Fortnite kind of just falls in, in a bit of a weirder range for me, where where being you know underweight is just was a natural you know extension of my drafting style. Like I wasn't drafting him ahead of those other running backs, and then the, just the wide receivers, like you mentioned, like 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 for a while, like it was a pretty solid toss up between. Amari Cooper, Stefan Diggs, Keenan Allen, or like Leonard Fournette. And at that point, like it's like a pretty done easy deal. And even you know Mike Evans for a little bit earlier on. You know, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Hi, Rotoviz fans. Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends over at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their first Dynasty League, and they've now grown to be the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. FFPC leagues are active and competitive and not a single league has ever folded. Brand new startup leagues are forming right now, starting at $77 and up in standard Superflex and best ball format. And, uh, you know, for those of you who are ready to take on the greatest challenge in uh, season-long football, take a look at this year's FFPC main event. Uh, You know, what is the main event? Well, it's the world's biggest event, as I mentioned, in season-long fantasy football. And this year, it's got a half a million dollar grand prize and over $3.1 million in total prizes. Uh, 
you know, go to Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities over at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino, or you can opt to just draft online from the comfort of your home. Main event drafts begin August 23rd, and they run through the start of the season. Davis, I believe that you, Drew Dinkmeyer, and Mike Leone over at Rotor Experts are uh, uh, drafting in one. Uh, what is your thought, and how do you guys feel this year? Oh man, we 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 got the shaft with the slot. We get we got seven, which I actually oh. think it, seven seven I believe is the of all twelve slots. I it is the worst to pick from in the in the main event. Uh, not yeah, not low. Uh, you guys... I, yeah, because you're, you're gonna mi- you're gonna miss all the running backs, and you're likely going to miss Travis Kelsey in the tight end premium format as well. Yeah, so you guys and Packery and Pete Overs at Friends of the Podcast all have a, a both you know you both do the seventh slot, which is. Oh, just a brutal one. Um, I mean, if uh, it's any did, consolation, uh, I think in our football guys draft we did that we recorded last week, David Johnson was available at the seventh seven. pick. Um, oh, I actually, I just got, I just got confirmation. We got the sixth slot, so we might get Kelsey. Ah, there we go. Um, I, I, out of curiosity, would you go if if David Johnson and Kelsey slid that far? Who would you consider? Just because both of them are on by in week twelve, you don't have to give away the rest of the sauce for your for your strategy. But I was curious because of the week twelve playoffs that start and the fact that we these are, two guys are on by. We are undecided. Um, <laughs> we 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 are undecided. Like we so Leone is like the data scientist at mm-hmm. Daily Roto, and he does a lot of the work behind our projections. Um, so he's going to he's going to try and create like some sort of value formula uh, to try and help make our decision at six a little bit easier. Uh, well, good luck, and I believe you guys will be podcasting that one. So go subscribe to Roto Experts and listen for it. It's a really fun pod. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. All right, moving on to regular news item number three. Josh Gordon was recently reinstated by the NFL, and the Patriots put him on the active-slash-NFI list. So Davis, it's looking like Gordon will be active for the Patriots uh, for week one, how does his reinstatement change your projections for the uh, Patriots receiving core? Uh, what well, moves Julian Edelman down a lot basically means Keel Harry's undraftable at his current ADP. Kind of takes away a lot of the allure of you know trying to gamble on the tight ends because basically when you were looking at the Patriots offense before Josh Gordon's reinstatement, you were like. We know they're going to throw 500 to 535 times. We we know 130 of those targets or more are earmarked for Julian Edelman. Probably about 100 of them are earmarked for James White. Then we don't know what's going to happen after that. But now we do. And I, I think a very likely outcome is that uh, the Patriots have four fantasy-relevant players. Uh, Sony Michelle, James White, Julian Edelman, and Josh Gordon. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think those are probably the only guys you're going to want to draft from the Patriots. Yeah, does it kind of make, uh, I mean, we've seen a lot of first-round wide receiver busts recently. Um, how does this affect Keel Harry's long-term outlook? Uh, it, well, it certainly can't be It certainly can't be great because a big thing that we see in wide receiver prognostication is that rookie year production like has a, a big part in figuring out who's going to be good or not. And, you know, we, we just can't earmark much production for Keel Harry this year. Oh man! So, out of curiosity, how much are you buying the fact that Sony Michelle is going to be worked in a little bit as a receiver? Because there seem to be you know reports on that, which also is another another thing to to to, to think about. And you know, do you think that Tom Brady makes for a, a viable quarterback too in in best ball drafts? 
I'm not really buying that on Sony Michelle. I think it certainly is something that you would say it's in the realm of possibility, but it's not closer to probable. And I would say Tom Brady is not a guy I'm interested in drafting as a quarterback too. Coach Andy Reid said sixth round running back Darwin Thompson is more advanced than I thought he would be when they drafted him. Um, you know, Davis, like earlier this season, the Chiefs are really vocal in their support for Damian Williams. And it looks like they've kind of softened that stance a little bit. Um, especially since, uh, you know, Williams missed all that time with uh, injury. You know, do you think this running back, uh, you know, do you think the Chiefs are trending to a running back by committee approach sooner rather than later? And what are your expectations for all three of the Chiefs' primary RBs in Damian Williams, Carlos Hyde, and Darwin? My expectation is that Damian Williams is the primary goal line back. I think he'll get a ton of third down work. I think Carlos Hyde is closer to being cut than having a meaningful role on offense. And I think Darwin Thompson is a guy who probably is going to have a couple package plays, you know, a couple a couple pet plays that Andy Reid has drawn up. And I think he probably would be the more valuable handcuff than Carlos Hyde would, even if Hyde does make the roster. But I, I think that uh, Hyde being so bad and Thompson impressing in a weird way is actually good for Damian Williams because the reason you bring someone like Carlos Hyde onto the team is, okay, this guy was a starting running back in the league. He's going to get what's blocked for him. He knows how to pass block. You know, he's probably just not going to make a bunch of horrible mistakes that a rookie like Darwin Thompson might make on a Super Bowl team. And, you know, the, the Chiefs, something uh, I was actually watching the broadcast and Brett Veach came on the broadcast for that preseason game between the Steelers and the Chiefs. And something he was mentioning was the Chiefs just love to get fast players. He was talking about it with Juan Thornhill on the defense, who was, you know, the highest spark score defender this year in the entire draft. He was talking about it with Darwin Thompson and with McCole Hardman. So I think Thompson just fits in with the philosophy of the team. Hyde doesn't fit with the philosophy of the team. He was probably, I, I would say Andy Reid probably wanted them to get Carlos Hyde. I would say that was probably less of a management decision and more of a coaching decision. But the fact that Thompson is farther along, to me, makes Hyde pretty expendable. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's kind of what uh, I had been <laughs> expecting and at least hoping for all along, basically, since they drafted Darwin Thompson. Um, I guess, does... The fact that Williams has missed so much time, does it kind of open the door for Thompson to actually uh, take a bigger role from Williams? Like, is he is Williams in danger of losing his starting job, I guess, because of how good Thompson has looked? I, I think the answer to that is no. Because I think one, I think Damian Williams is good. So and and on the first drive the Chiefs had with Mahomes in there, Williams was in on uh, you know, he was in on every snap, got some mm -hmm. pass protection, got some looks in the passing game. I think I think the team knows what they have in Williams. And and people forget this. Williams got a contract extension, not during the playoffs, not after the playoffs. He came in after that Chargers game where he got uh where he, you know, he was great and the team ended up losing, and he got a contract extension right away after they cut Kareem Hunt. So I I think the organization likes him and i think reed does too yeah i'm, I'm with you on team uh hashtag damien williams is actually good uh there's been there's been enough like consternation about him this offseason to where he's he slowly slid into like value territory as a running back um and i'm i'm a big believer in buying players tethered to one of the most explosive offenses in the nfl uh i wanted to back up a little bit because you mentioned something interesting uh that I find very interesting, like uh, about that that Veach mentioned about how the Chiefs just like fast players. And when I was when I was writing up uh, my my, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about this, but but a lot of the guys who they have in their receiver core, that's like you know, like like Michael Hardman was drafted in the second, but even guys have signed as UDFAs. Byron Pringle is one, and then Cody Thompson. The rookie is another. These guys are big, fast guys with histories of like incredible special teams and receiving production. Uh, you know, what what are your thoughts on Pringle or Thompson or any of these other like auxiliary wide receivers like that could you know essentially see time this year? Uh, well, I'm more in on Hardman than I thought I was going to be. So. Oh, same. So pre pre Tyreek Hill 
uh, unsuspension. So when I thought he was going to be suspended, I was drafting Hardman a lot. And then when Tyreek came back, obviously I backed off a lot. But now I'm now I'm back in on him because I think that the I like and what Beach said was really illuminating to me because there, it's one thing to make conjecture about what a team is doing when they're drafting all these guys. It's different when the people making those decisions actually confirms that for you. And you know I think one of the things they know about Mahomes is that uh, like. Actually, inside the pocket last year, it, it's kind of weird to say this about the league MVP who threw 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, but just straight up in the pocket, Mahomes made some suboptimal decisions last year and was like, you know, was not the best pure pocket passer in the NFL. And when he's at his best is like on the move and when plays break down, you know, kind of similar to Rodgers or, or Favre in that way. And wide receivers and running backs who can take advantage of that are guys who were super fast. And that's like Hardman is going to bring that to the table. I think Hardman has a lot to learn as a wide receiver, but just, you know, going, going four wide with one of the running backs, Travis Kelsey, and just calling four verts five times in a row. That's something you can do when your wide receivers are Travis Kelsey, Tyree kill, Sammy Watkins and McCole Hardman. Yeah. It's like, like that team is, and they just stacked up and down with speed. Like, it's it's almost scary to think, but there there's a pretty like you could see Mahomes kind of building upon his season from last year just because of how I mean that like their offense is just fast vertically, they're fast horizontally. Like th- this team can spread you out, and I, I'm with you on Michael Hardman. I've never like you know when we knew he ran a four three three, but you can see just like how his like raw speed translates to game speed. When you're watching, when you're watching the tape, like we don't have, unfortunately, tr- like all that kind of like advanced tracking speed data, in um, in um, uh, uh, in preseason, at least not that I'm aware. But um, it's very exciting watching Michael Hardman play. Like it's it's remember like when we first saw Tyreek Hill play for the Chiefs, and we were like, wow, this guy's going to be a thing. I'm getting the same feeling from like Michael Hardman. Like he's going to force himself on the field, whether and whether people like believe in him. Or not like you got to you got to get on board, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. He's like a guy. He's a guy I would be trying to buy in Dynasty right now. I don't know if he's going to have a ton of redraft impact, at least right away. But you could also you could also tell me that he has a rookie season kind of similar to Deshaun Hamilton, where he starts out as the, you know, just a rotational guy. And then when one of the starters or two of the starters gets hurt, he comes in and is like a guy you can start in the fantasy football playoffs. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Davis Maddock. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at Davis Maddock. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So, about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. 
the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.